One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The biggest convention of its kind ever in the UK, Wrestling Media Con 2018 is heading to Manchester on the 8th and 9th of September. Wrestling Media Con 2018 will feature live wrestling shows from Revolution Pro and Impact Wrestling, meet and greet with all the talent, panel discussions from the likes of Inside the Ropes, and workshops on how to get into the world of professional wrestling from former WWE writers and bookers. There will also be guest matches from Defiant, NGW and an NWA World's title defense by Nick Aldis taped for £10 of gold. Other names announced for Wrestling MediaCon 2018 include The Wrestling Observer's Dave Meltzer, Colt Cabana, Sean Waltman, Cultaholic, Botchamania, myself and Ollie from the Wrestle Ramble, and many more to be announced. Wrestling MediaCon comes to the Bowlers Exhibition Centre in Manchester, England on the 8th and 9th of September. Tickets are available now from WrestlingMediaCon.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Wrestle Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Ramble Podcast. I'm Ollie Davis, I'm joined by Luke Owen, but today we have a special treat for you, Swaff Nation, Pod Swaffers. Whatever you are, we will have the Smackdown review coming up right now. But after that, we have a podcast exclusive review of Avengers Infinity War, which isn't even on general release yet. That happens tomorrow, but Luke and I were lucky enough to see it last night. So it's spoiler free, so don't worry. You won't have any big plot points plot points spoiled for you but if you prefer not to know anything at all about infinity war before you see it uh don't listen to it don't listen to the outro but we'll see you after the whole smackdown review with infinity war in a bizzle and speaking for myself i like ronda rousey i think she's got a great mean face i think she's got a slick armbar i like drew mcintyre and dolph ziggler now i think they merge their two movesets together very well and smartly. However, every week since WrestleMania, there is one thing that I keep thinking and thinking about, and that is how bloody awesome Shinsuke Nakamura is. And now he has added a new dimension to his heel turn. He's got new heel version of his entrance music, 
and his performance, his storylines, his overall presentation is on fire right now. I think he's one of the best things, not just in WWE, but in wrestling as a world landscape. What about you, Luke? 100% agree. Thank I- God I thought you <laughs> He's fine. He's fine. No, I completely agree. I, he's one of my favourite things on SmackDown at the moment. He's one of my favourite things in WWE at the moment. And I, it, I, I didn't really think that this was a needed thing. But the heel version of his entrance theme it's just like as soon as it came, I was like oh well that's just well, that's perfect isn't it that was like the cherry on top of what it needed because it's the perfect heel version of an entrance theme in that it's the exact same entrance theme but it's slightly darker and they've just added something to it and Corey Graves even said oh he put lyrics over it because he didn't want fans singing along with his entrance music anymore and I was like oh that's great because if people sing along with his entrance theme, that makes him seem like a babyface. Now people can't do that. We used to enjoy doing that. Oh, you dick, you took that away from us. It's such an important line, yeah. It's it's not just about we can't sing along now. It was Shinsuke's demand that he took that away from us. Perfect, perfect heel mentality. And my lady partner, who only really enjoys entrances saved like most of the WWE universe. Exactly. Uh, I played it to her this morning. I was like, look what they've done to your favourite song that isn't Carmella's. And she was like, who, Violin Man? And I was like, yeah, yes, Shinsuke Nakamura, <laughs> Violin, whatever, okay. And watch it. And she, she's about 30 seconds in and goes, I don't like it. <laughs> it sounds mean. And I was like, yes, yes exactly. It yes. sounds meaner. You're being worked. You're a Memphis audience member right now from the 80s. It's it's just a really excellent presentation. You and I were watching it uh, before we came in to record this. Like the, actual, like the actual presentation of like this band playing it and it's like, oh, I've hired this Japanese band to sing in Japanese. So you can't even sing along with the words in the song either because you don't speak my language and I don't speak English. And like, it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful presentation. It looks really cool. Every time I see a, like a band play like that my first instinct is like man i wish i was still in a band like i really wish i hadn't quit playing i just music. wish i was japanese <laughs> when i see them play like yeah. they, they, it's like it's just such an awesome presentation and you know one of my big hates of the kevin dunn era you know if the one thing i would bring back well, not just the one there's there's many things i'm being hyperbolic but i really 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 do miss how videos, how titantrons used to be a part of the overall entrance of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like DX, when they faded, cross-faded over the, those weird shots. Jericho had the similar thing with the, the, the blurred streets. The yes. uh, What do you call that effect? Time-lapse. Time-lapse. Uh, Undertaker, you know, Dong, he's here. Mm. Taz, the heartbeat. I used to love how you would get a full-screen video and then it would cut into the the arena and then they make the entrance and i was more obsessed like when uh what what game was it came out because it on on the old thq n64 games uh for rest for wwf you'd have blurred image yes titan trump video because the n64 couldn't handle video and i was just i was mesmerized by that and when the first was it smackdown just bring it on the playstation which was kind of the first one that did it i was well, the two smackdown games had actual videos because yeah. the playstation it was on discs could run video oh, and i was obsessed with getting my entrance and it was all about the video and i'm and th- this is what they've done here they cut two um some people plugging it's the band plugging in their instruments the the sound mixer being moved around and then they start playing and then it cuts back into the the live arena where Shinsuke makes his entrance. I just think it's an awesome presentation. Yeah. I wish they did it more for other wrestlers, that style of 
because the video is such a huge part of getting them over. And now it's just like, most of the times it's just someone's name. I was going to say, they literally just put your name up in some sort of fancy text. Sometimes just Comic Sans mm. or, you know, uh, or like it doesn't look like it's done on MS Paint. But like, it's it's just a name. Yeah, so, so you've got to like try and, if you're a new uh, viewer or a casual viewer who's not as familiar with everyone, you've got to work out their entire character just based on a font if you're going by the video, which okay. they don't really use. Uh, however, you know, this way you can have, I know Shinsuke doesn't have it, but I used to love watching the the finishing moves get timed up perfectly yes. to the music and I'd be like ah that's their signature moves boom look he hits so many mm-hmm. stone cold stunners yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that doesn't relate to this example but I'm hopeful I'm hopeful that it will expand out I thought it was yeah it's just it's terrific I, and like you said I know if, if you said to me oh yeah we're going to put lyrics over Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance music I would have gone are you insane it's one of the best things don't, don't t- even if he turns heel don't touch it but I'm I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. It's funny because you and I have talked about like they've done you know, a number of heel turns since you and I have been doing the Wrestle Ramble, which is over a year now. We've been doing this show, and we've had some heel turns. And I've always said, ah, what I like when a wrestler turns heel is when they get a heel version of their entrance music. And we haven't really had that. Like Sami Zayn didn't get a heel version of his entrance music. He just got the same entrance music, but he just changed the way that he did his entrance to make his his babyface music now just sound obnoxious yes and now just go like oh what what an idiot what an idiot face but i love when a wrestler gets their heel version of an entrance music and this is just it's one of the best examples of it it's, it's just really really cool as i said the presentation is awesome I, just, I really like nakamura like you know he's squared off against aj styles just tagging out straight away. I love the the, the finish of the match with the, the Kinshasa to the back of the head, which makes it just seem more vicious and deadly. And then like the, the beat down afterwards with a phenomenal ball arm and the, the double Kinshasa to, to Anderson. So you are talking about the main event of this week's SmackDown, which was Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev Day, Rusev and Aiden English, taking on AJ Styles, which was set up uh, earlier in the night, wasn't it, where Renee Young was outside Shane McMahon's office. Mm-hmm. Why not Page's office? Well, neither of them were there, so it didn't really matter either way. Well, well, just put Page's name on it then. Yeah, I suppose. She's the general manager. Why are people going to Shane? Because he's a man. Because he's a man. Right. Bloody patriarch. So AJ walks out instead of an actual authority figure, and he's happy. And he says, oh, I've got a... I've got a match. I've got, I get a, I've got a chance to soften, soften up, up. A, uh, soften up Shinsuke Nakamura ahead of Greatest Royal Rumble on Friday. Uh, but it's going to be a six-man tag because he's got his cronies Rusev Day. So I've got to go and find two uh, tag partners of my own. And I was because I'm an idiot. I just oh, I wonder who those will be. <laughs> Genuinely, just oh, I wonder. Oh, I bet we'll find out when it happens. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, then he said, "Did he say like it, the club? It, it'll be too sweet?" Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I was like, "Oh, yes, of course." Yeah. Uh, and uh, later on, when Rene Young tried to talk to Nakamura about this on his dressing room door, Aiden English came out and said, "No interviews." Yeah, which was good. Uh, so the Rusev Day and Nakamura pairing is like Nakamura is such a big star. It feels like they're not even connected. Yeah, I do really feel that. Like, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad. thing. No, no, absolutely not. And like, it we. we got some things to talk about like the, the main event scene of Smackdown Live uh, so, such as it is but I really don't feel that although Rusev Day is always involved in these matches with AJ and with Nakamura I don't feel like Rusev is a main eventer on Smackdown Live he feels like he is still an upper mid card but is just being 
he's just being used in this role. Fodder. Yeah, he's a, yeah, a hot body, yeah. Yeah, and like, and if this leads into a feud between Rusev Day and Galanderson, then yes. that that that's fine. That that's fine with me. I'm happy with that. I think that's the way to structure it. You have a over the tag titles as well. You get them all in the mix and. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that makes more sense why everyone would be working together. Who but it didn't other, take away from the match. Who was the other tag team that got drafted? The Bar. Yeah, but there was another tag team that got drafted, didn't they? Did I make this up? I was trying to think. Cause when, you know, you said, like, oh, I'm an idiot and I couldn't think who it was. Mm. My first thought it was, oh, it was the, Galanderson. They were the they were the two teams that got drafted. It was Galanderson and The Bar. Sorry. Yep, I'm with you now. That's what we just said. No, I know. I know. I was just sitting there thinking, like, who did get drafted last week? <laughs> uh, so Nakamura... And that they had this uh, the 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 main event, which was where Nakamura had his new entrance, and uh, yeah, it was it was a decent match, mm-hmm. but the finish was very very cool. Uh, oh, at the start, you said when Nakamura, it was Nakamura and AJ, but Nakamura tags out right away. AJ, I love his character because he is this hothead baby face, mm-hmm. which is consistent with his heel persona as well, which is why it's also nicely interwoven. Uh, AJ just went for Nakamura even though he tagged out and he beat him up on the apron <laughs> yeah. which is good but the finish was was really quite masterful uh, Styles um, well, where are we uh, yeah so Gallows is distracted but he's thrown someone outside but Nakamura got the blind tag and then uh, Nakamura delivers a Kinshasa to the back of Gallows' head for the win and then he gives AJ a low blow afterwards the, the full-on lift the lift you up phenomenal ball arm and then he's gonna hit AJ with the Kinshasa but Carl Anderson runs in the way and takes a bullet for yep. AJ of course formerly the Bullet Club everything works so well contextually like this is and I love it when they strike this balance when it works really really well anyway for someone who knows nothing about the history but if you know the history and the context it's incredible. Yeah, it was really nice. It's funny as well because like the commentators are like, "Oh, he took the bullet." And my first thought was just like, "Oh, yeah, like the Bullet Club. That's that's quite clever." But I never really was like, "Oh, I wonder if that." I, I didn't look at it as like that's all contextual within that. But that actually makes it seem much. That seems cool. I literally just thought like, "Oh, he channeled his inner Johnny Gargano and and uh, pushed AJ out the way." Because that, I mean, they're all part of that Japanese contingent. Yeah. They all moved over at the exact well, not the well, yeah, it was the all, exact all, same all four time. Of them came over at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then. Nakamura just has this brilliant bit. AJ is still selling his balls, his phenomenal balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he's trying to help Carl, but Carl's knocked out. And Nakamura looks at the scene. He's like, I could give AJ a Kinshasa quite easily here. I'm going to take out one of his best friends who's just joined him on the brand yep. right in front of him. And Nakamura hits Carl uh, Anderson with the Kinshasa and just like AJ is fingertips away from pushing Carl out the way. Yeah. He's trying. I really appreciated it all. And it's just incredible stuff. And to be honest, it, it capped a fantastic episode of SmackDown. Yeah, it was me. really good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, really, I, I gave it a um, uh, smacktastic in the, uh, mm. in the review. I, I really enjoyed the show. I've got to, yeah. I'm, I mean, this sounds like we're doing the end of the episode <laughs> now. But I would give it a high smacktastic. Oh, wow. Well, the, the only thing really that uh, if this had a great match on, like mm-hmm. a good 15-minute match, because really there wasn't any, like, it was yeah. just TV matches, right? Or a killer angle. This would have been a SmackDown episode. It's really funny. SmackDown very rarely has those, like, long 15-minute matches. Like, and, and it it's not because... They, they need another hour. Well, I was about to say, I don't think it is the other hour argument. They just, like, 
I don't know what it is, but they never have long matches. And it always seems that every one of their matches has an ad break in there to yeah, kind of like break, yeah. up, break things up a little bit. So SmackDown never really feels like it's a it's a wrestling heavy show although they have a lot of matches and never feel like wrestling heavy they just use their matches very creatively to kind of tell them mm. further storylines which i really appreciate and that happened you know a lot on this show um i, I did think it was it was a, a really really decent show and i, I particularly love the ending the wrestle ramble will be right back after these short messages This episode of Wrestle Ramble is brought to you in part by Patreon. For just $5 a month, you can get access to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Wrestle Ramble Extra, where Ollie and I review classic pay-per-views from wrestling's past. Previous episodes include Money in the Bank 2011, Armageddon 2000, Wrestle Kingdom 10, WrestleMania 25, and more. The next episode continues the WrestleMania theme with arguably the best mania ever, WrestleMania X7. Featuring the epic main event of The Rock vs Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF Championship. It also has the Triple H vs Undertaker match you're supposed to forget happened, and the gimmick Battle Royal! Your backing will get you access to all previous episodes too. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk for more information. That's patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's a SmackDown review, Magal. I love it. We got us a flying Uso. So, SmackDown kicked off with a Bruno Sammartino memorial image. It was nice, yeah. Was no, nice. Not everyone out on the stage, which I was surprised by. I think did it on more. Yeah, no, but it's, it's a different show, man. It's that it's the B show. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then the actual episode opened proper with Miz returning 
to SmackDown Live after a year out on Raw mm-hmm. and with, with a Miz TV segment. It was meant to be with Daniel Bryan. Yes, but it was actually with Big Cass. Uh, Miz cut a long promo at the start of this about his feud with Daniel Bryan, his long-standing feud with Daniel Bryan, about how Miz is a changed man since he's had his daughter Monroe Sky and he's th- you know he's not a violent man anymore and he's surprised that Daniel Bryan wants to hashtag punch him in the face maybe his connection with his daughter is just not as strong as Miz and Monroe Sky yeah it was really smarmy it was a, I I, th- I, th- it, I didn't know it was long I, I, thought, I, I thought it was a good promo it was a good promo I just thought I it went it. really really long oh I, that didn't uh, that, I didn't pick up on that I, I, but I thought he was working the crowd perfectly it was mm-hmm. a hot crowd as was Monday night as well yeah. which was good Planet of Fans uh, and the yeah Planet of Fans <laughs> Yeah, all the Nakamura boos. Yeah, exactly. They got loads of people who couldn't speak Japanese in there. They <laughs> planted them all. Uh, so, yeah, he talks about Brian's feud. Um, and the he had that killer line about Monroe that just, oh, maybe didn't change Brian the way it has me. Exactly, and yeah. It, just, it, it, was, was, it was nicely delivered. So we were meant to have Miz TV with Daniel Bryan, but instead, Big Cass came out. Now, we said last week, oh, man, Big Cass is here. Like... Maybe he's going to be the the Jinder of 2018. Some people said he might be the Baron Corbin of 2018 because he's a big lad, and that's what Vince likes. He likes big lads, and he came in and he took out Daniel Bryan. And we were like, that, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what could happen with Big Cass. When he came out wearing that suit and his hair was tied back, I was like, this dude looks like a million dollars. Oh, really? And then he cut a heck of a promo. I was thought, a good promo. I was like, this is great. Like, I'm really, really sold on this. I mean, we'll, you know, in ring, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I've got some thoughts on the Daniel Bryan feud, which we'll go into shortly. But I did think, like, man, this is a really, really great promo. And it was a, it was really good work by Cass. Yeah, it was it was a nice attention to detail. We came out first with the, the suit draped over his back. It's because Daniel Bryan didn't answer for a while. So then Big Cass came out instead. Uh, and he had his suit, his suit jacket draped over his shoulder. And he, he slowly put that on at the top of the ramp. And then he put on what I assume is a very expensive watch. Yeah. It was just a nice attention to detail. And then he gets in the ring. And, yeah, I am I was not infused about a main event run for Big Cass when you've got such a good scene in SmackDown anyway of, of other wrestlers. But uh, that he, he did... And I'm, I'm still not like wow, I can't wait for Big Cass's feuds and programs mm-hmm. because I do feel like he is a bit limited in the ring. But this was a good promo. It was like a really good promo. But and it-, it was a promo that gave a lot of context yeah. to why he was angry with Brian, that he was out for seven months. You know, th- I was overcoming an ACL tan. You're like, well, you know, that's not as severe as b- actually retiring for two to three years. Yeah. And then Big Cass is like, I used to be small. But I got big. Like, that was something he worked at. But, of course, it was a, 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 a natural advantage. Exactly. And then he says, that, so he's got this agenda against small guys in, infused by the idea that Brian has stolen some of this adoration that was meant for him. It, it was a nice motivation. Yeah, I really like it. But what I particularly like about this segment, what I really, really liked about this whole promo and the, this kind of segment overall is that it established that Miz and Cass are not working together on this, which is what some people theorised last week, that maybe Cass will be Miz's bodyguard in the same way that Drew is Dolph's bodyguard, perhaps, uh, in their sort of raw dynamic. And some people wonder it might be a bit of a Control-C, Control-V situation. But it's not. Like, Miz says, it goes like, Cass, I don't need your help. Like, I don't need your help taking that Daniel Bryan. And Cass was like, it's not always about you. 
this is about me now. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. This is literally heels against heels, interconnecting storylines. We've got multiple feuds happening at the same time here. This is really, really great. This is 2016 SmackDown. Yeah. That's how it was booked. And when you, you could really enter a feud with anyone because all the heels hated each other. All the faces were also warring with each other because it's all about trying to get that top spot, yeah. which feels like lost sometimes when it's just two guys fighting for eternity. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more interconnected, like you said. Yeah. Uh, much, much better, a much better way of doing things. Did you see the Birdie versus Monroe sign in the crowd? <laughs> I did. Did you see the Swap Nation sign in the crowd? No. Yeah, yeah. It was. After, I spotted it after the Shelton Benjamin uh, match. It was just there at the uh, the crowd. Another planted fan. I hope Randy Orton saw that. <laughs> I wouldn't know if he did, if or he tweeted about it. Still blocked you. Yes. Um, but it's... Oh, but Okay, so here's the thing about the, the this this big cast thing. Because you just said then, you're not looking forward to the big cast main event run. And the way that I looked at this, and the way that this is kind of sort of set up, and what's happened since the SmackDown after Mania, it feels like this isn't a main event thing. This is an upper mid-card thing. And I get that this feud between Brian and Cass is meant to elevate Cass. They're using Brian to elevate Big Cass. But I really feel that it's actually just taking Brian down. It's drag it's it's not elevating anyone. It's actually dragging Brian away from the main event scene of AJ and, and Nakamura into this upper mid card scene. And the SmackDown review is I, I called it has has Brian lost momentum. And it did feel like you know it was only a few weeks ago it was like Daniel Bryan has returned. He's gonna have these feuds and these feuds and these feuds. And then here we are. It's like, and it's, it's big Cass, and it's and they're having a match at Backlash, and it's and as I said to you earlier, it's like winning the WWE Championship after all those months, and then you have first feud is against Kane. Yeah, it it is a derailing of momentum. Not to say that Brian doesn't have momentum or that this big Cass segment wasn't excellent. No, it's just to say, is this the best use of these two guys? Really, da- every- everyone wants to see, and we've waited long enough for Daniel Bryan to be in that main event mix and have a main event level program with someone. Not, not a big cast not, view. Not helping someone. Not using yeah. your your stamp power to try and elevate someone else. It's like it's not the best use of Daniel Bryan at this point when he's just come back. Yeah. Like, he needs a hot for you. Exactly, yeah. Do it down the line. If you did Daniel Bryan and Big Cass after SummerSlam and you had you gave Daniel Bryan a really hot for you to come back to when the crowd are super into him at the moment, I, I think that's a better use of Bryan than, than putting him into a mid-card feud. Who would you put him against then? I mean, I get Miz would be the obvious answer just, mm. to, just for a hot one-month program, just one match, Bryan kills him because yeah. you pay off on all the animosity beforehand yeah. and then you go into like a... I don't know, because they do like AJ and Nakamura as their feud. Yeah, I, mean, I would have Samoa Joe had been where I Samoa Joe, probably yeah, would have gone. Have and, and Joe is a perfect, almost like character piece for Samoa Joe because he'd have come out being like, why is everyone cheering for you coming back? Mm-hmm. Like almost like the, the big casting is like, why is everyone cheering for you coming back? I was on the injury shelf. Like, you know, and, and, and you know, Joe is the dream killer. Yeah, yeah. that would have been really cool. Yeah, so it, it, we'll, we'll wait. Yes. Um, uh, so after the Miz TV segment... Asuka and Becky Lynch were shown walking down to, like, walking backstage to gorilla position to come out for their match. But the camera goes, oh, no, look, Daniel Bryan's on the floor and there's some people treating him. And this was, again, this was like the SmackDown of 2016 where everything feels a bit chaotic, like it is just unfolding 
as it's being filmed rather than carefully plotted out and scheduled beforehand. And I like this, because I really enjoyed this. You had, you had Becky and Asuka walking down. They were like, oh, it's coming up next. We've got a tag match. And then, yeah, you see Daniel Bryan. And then they go over and check on Daniel Bryan. I like that more than as people are making their exit or like they've just finished their rendering <laughs> segment, someone's music plays and then because a, a, a match is about to take place. Mm. I think it works better in this sort of backstage area than it does in the ring. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah but without a doubt. Um, uh, just before we move on from that, Cass had a really <laughs> great line um, when he was talking about it. He was like mocking um, Daniel Bryan's like reach for the stars and like believe in your dreams and your dreams will believe in you and all that, that, that sort of nonsense. But he's like, I didn't need to wrestle in bingo halls. I didn't need to go to Japan or Europe. I just walked into the job. He's got Baron Corbin's gimmick in NXT. Yeah. And I loved Baron Corbin's gimmick in NXT. Uh, so Becky Lynch and Asuka did make their way out eventually uh, to face the Iconics. Oh, and they, mwah, the Iconics cut one of their fabulous heel promos to start off with. It was fun, it was fun. Falling over themselves to laugh at their crap jokes and awful impressions. It was so funny. I got a real edging Christian vibe from them. It is, yeah. yeah. Really so. It's just like, and then just like, oh, the camera loves you. No, it loves you. No, it loves you. Oh, it just loves us. Yeah. Like, it's so funny. And then it's like, and she goes, oh, close your eyes, close your eyes. I'm going to do an impression. Yeah. And then she does this awful Irish accent. <laughs> Billy Kay goes, hello? Is it, I'm talking about terrible impressions. And they goes, hello, is that Becky Lynch? I feel like she's right next to me. And they, so good. they were pointing out how, well, we ended Charlotte's title reign. <laughs> this is my bad accent now. <laughs> I think we should do all Iconics review bits in bad in, accents. In bad accents. Uh, well, it's not. It's my best accent, actually. <laughs> I'm just Aust- not good at them. Australian is one of the few that I can't do very we, well. Uh, we, we beat Charlotte t- for her title reign and... That, so really, we beat Asuka. Yeah, and, and they're laughing. And then uh, Peyton Royce, I think, goes, it's it's maths. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just science. It's Which just is science. Like, like just a perfect <laughs> punctuation point to it. I was going to say, they theorise via science. Yeah. That, yeah. Because and then like it, it's great because that kind of helps Corey Graves and Byron Sachs. Because Byron Sachs goes like, that doesn't make any sense. And, and Corey goes like, no, I've done the math. I've looked yes. at the science. It does make complete sense. Do you uh, want to see my workings? Cor- so funny. Corey's so good at the moment. Uh, and then they had like a five-minute-ish match, which was fine, I guess. Yep. Uh, so speaking of losing momentum, poor old Asuka. Poor old yeah. Asuka, yeah. Uh, and Becky lost when Peyton... She was on the... It was quite a nice finish, actually. Becky was on the apron, and uh, Peyton kind of bumped her into the ring post and then did a roll up through the second rope mm. and then used the ropes to, to yeah. leverage herself for a cheating win. So it was a it wasn't a clean victory, but it's, it's and I get that you want to put iconics over, especially as they lost to Charlotte last week. Baska man, like what? yeah, no, could Naomi like... wrestle? Oh, well, again, well, no, she's in her own little feud now, isn't she? She's got her own different storyline going on. But juggling, juggling bits, juggling. Uh, it's do you know what it's. Asuka needed something hot coming out of losing the streak and apparently their idea for something hot was not being on TV for a couple of weeks and then losing a tag match. Yeah. It it, it is quite similar to the Daniel Bryan stuff. Mm. Like, it's not awful, but is it the best carry-on of momentum? You would have thought they would have some better ideas for these, like, your top people. Uh, Then we had the AJ Styles backstage bit that we've already talked about where they get the club back together. Then we had a really good uh, Andrade Cien Almas video package. I can't wait for him today. It's going to be awesome. wonder how he's going and when. Maybe after Backlash? Yeah. 
Because yeah, he hasn't it, got a match at Backlash. Yeah, maybe to challenge um, uh, Jeff Hardy for the US title. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, and then we got that Usos and Naomi segment backstage, yeah. with, which is Naomi's storyline. And this was also really, really cool. Just making SmackDown feel like a, a living, breathing world where people do have lives in the locker room area, in the backstage area. in It's not just all sterile offices with one picture of pure heart pure heart pure country country. yeah whatever it was called but yeah this was so uh the usos were kind of bantering in their locker room and then naomi walks in and was like i don't think you should go out and face uh eric rowan jimmy jimmy's her husband yes that's the one and uh Naomi's really putting over the Bludgeon Brothers. She's saying, when I looked in their eyes last week, when I ran down to help you, I didn't see anything there behind their eyes. She's like, if I hadn't have come down last week, who knows what would have happened? Yeah, but Jimmy is playing this off perfectly, like just like a flirty, I think this is how me and my lady partner talk to each other, (laughs) all street-like. And it's oh, you're so cute when you're you're angry or or worried, babe. Wait, (laughs) I'm going to go in to kiss you. Get off me. This is... is that I'm, that's my personal experience but <laughs> Naomi is like oh yeah thanks I mean I love you too but uh, please don't have this match <laughs> and Jimmy's like ah it'd be fine and then do a cool handshake which me and my lady partner oh me and my have. wife are forever doing like cool handshakes yeah, it, yeah. like it's a nightmare when we get in from work because most of the evening is just taken up, taken up by us doing handshakes yeah, yeah. and whatnot. we most of our Sunday afternoons are spent coming up with new <laughs> cooler handshakes well you want to have one and you want them every month yeah, don't yeah, you you want to debut them uh, at social occasions. Yeah. So this was really, really good, and it led directly into Jimmy Uso coming out for his match against Eric Rowan. Because Jay and Harper had a match last week. Yes. Uh, and, and this is... I mean, they're doing enough for this not to feel repetitive. You Which know, is you, funny, because you were a little bit concerned about this last week, that you were starting to lose a bit of interest in this feud. And, and you did say, hey, man, they have added Naomi. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then this week, I was like, this actually added another dimension to it. So... Yeah, I'm 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 happy to be wrong. Prove me wrong more, WWE. <laughs> uh, so the, the the Usos go over to the Make a Wish kid at ringside. It was very lovely. Mm. I d- but my wrestling mind goes, oh crap, that kid's getting beaten up. <laughs> the Bludgeon Brothers are going to do an angle with the kid, yeah, hit him with the mallet. Yeah, that's all. I, it's it's all a work, brother. They're plants. <laughs> uh, so so that didn't happen, which is for the best. But Jay was taken out by Luke at ringside very early on. Mm-hmm. And then Eric's fighting Jimmy Luke in the Harper, ring. not me. Yes, yeah, Luke <laughs> didn't run in. Uh, but Jimmy got the better of Rowan for a bit. And, and it was it was quite exciting. Very short match, but gonna, it was exciting. Yeah, this match only went about 90 <laughs> seconds. You know, if if at all, it went, maybe went two minutes. But it did, like, they crammed a lot into that. Like, it felt very chaotic. It felt really good. It made me kind of, like, look forward to their match this coming Friday when I eventually watch the pay-per-view, whenever that happens. Um, but it was, it was like, a, yeah, it was a really, like, cool thing. I, I, I quite enjoyed it and oh you gonna and then, and then all of a sudden naomi's music hits well this is when eric eric started to dominate it yeah. looked like things were going to go bad for jimmy and naomi's music hit and she came out doing her full naomi entrance and at first i thought like if you're gonna make a save don't do your entrance yes, that's what, like exactly what i was like, thinking just just run down mate yeah like, just just do that but she was doing it to cause a distraction because it you turn around and they've got harper and rowan are standing there going like what what's going on and then Jimmy runs in, bit of a kick to uh, Eric to Eric Rowan, rolls him up and gets the win. I think that's the Bludgeon Brothers' first loss 
Mm. I mean, it probably is, you know. Yeah, so they haven't lost as a team, but that's their first loss, uh, one of them, uh, since coming back as the Bludgeon Brothers. And then they all celebrate the three of them together. And I was like, hey! And then I was like, oh, it's a chain name. He's not going to be there Friday. Yeah, it was... Yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, it was it was a nice way to build the match on, on Friday. Like, usually, the, the idea of the champions losing before the pay-per-view... Yeah, I don't really care, but this, this worked. This mm-hmm. worked very well. Uh, so what... And I did like all of this. Now, what I'm concerned about <gasps> is, I don't think this is where they're going, but they could go this way. And that is Bludgeon Brothers just have the, we are like big zombie, brutish cavemen. Ooh, colourful woman. Yeah, mm. like King Kong. And that's why they're getting distracted rather than just like, we are badasses. What is this nuisance? Nuisance mm. is over. Ah, Jimmy's won. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's just like sometimes. Have you seen Luke Harper's tweets? Yes, you, I saw them where you were. I saw your news episode. Yeah, right? yeah. So maybe he's kind of like being a bit creepy about Naomi and Jimmy's relationship. Mm, so I just hope it doesn't go a a weird, a weird, a weird route. way. I'm, for a second, I thought you were going to say, I hope that Naomi doesn't turn heel and align herself with her bludgeon brother. Shocker. <laughs> and that be out of nowhere. And and. I strongly advise against that for Jimmy because don't involve storyline breakups for real marriages. Because uh, it always works out for the best, Ollie. What are you talking about? It always works out. Next up, we had Carmella having a Carmella tract signing. Almost. There was a contract signing. Um, yeah, speaking of um, Naomi not being there on Friday, did you also hear Byron Saxton's announcements? Um, Byron isn't going to be there. No, Byron is hosting the pre-show because obviously Renee Young won't be allowed right. to. Uh, She's to, not to even pre- competed. No, <laughs> I know, but so Byron. I thought it was more about women couldn't compete in the ring. Well, I don't know, but Byron is hosting <coughs> the uh, the pre-show with uh, Jr. King and Booker T as their legends panel. Well, hey, that's I mean that's great. I love Byron. So may- can- maybe who really is Byron Saxton? It's Renee Young. <laughs> In her kind of gender-bending costume. Yeah, maybe. It's all, uh, it's like uh, Shakespeare in love. She dresses up like a man to host the social media lounge. (laughs) That's Charlie Caruso's job. That's not Renee's job She won't be there either, then. No, she won't be there either. Uh, Was she the one who did an interview? I don't know. She came on screen, I was like, I don't know who that is. I think it was Dasher. Was that Dasher? I don't know. I d- I've written down Dasher in my notes. I've, I've written down, someone did an interview, I don't know who it was. It very well could have been Dasher, but I I swear she changes every single time she's on screen. Charlie's got a rounder face, Dasher's is a bit squarer. I definitely know which, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know which one Charlie Caruso okay, is. Yeah. I think she only does Raw, which would make me think it, it is Dasher. But Renee Young does that. Maybe these were superstar shook-ups. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so yes, Carmella and con- contract had a Charlotte signing, <laughs> and Renee Young's in the ring. Uh, Carmella comes out and cuts an incredible heel she promo. She was wonderful. She was so much fun because here. she was upset about a the celebration being ruined last week, but she was also upset that Renee Young had the gall to call the champion out first when the challenger should be coming out first. So she was annoyed at that, and then she get cut a promo on the crowd saying like guys i showed you a really good video package last week and you didn't applaud it so guess what we're gonna watch it again so they watch the whole video again and it's this it's one of those things like wwe have this they they often will just like repeat video packages and they're like okay so we had this video package like uh, the the black history month video you took such umbrage with you know they they play this over and over and over again 
But Carmella is the heel playing this over and over and over again. And it's like, oh, I just, I'm, I don't want to see this video again. And then crowd boo. And she's like, no, guys, you're missing something. You're standing ovation. You're meant to applaud. So guess what? We're just going to watch it again. And my favorite moment from this is she goes, we're going to watch it again. And Corey Grove goes, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> I can't wait to see this again. It's like, he goes, I could watch it all night. Yeah. I could watch it for the rest of the show. Uh, it was really good. And she got some serious heat off the back of this. Carmella is a... Oh. She really gets some good reactions. She, Carmella was tremendous. In this entire segment, she yeah. was so good. Because Charlotte interrupted the second time the video was playing and she made her entrance. And Charlotte was really great in this. I credit mm. to, Char- to, to Charlotte as well because she she was barely acknowledging Carmella's existence. She was like looking at her nails. She was kind of looking at anything else because Carmella then just started dancing around the ring. She's like parading the title in front of her going like, look what I've got, look what I've got. Doing the strut, going woo. And then Renee Young's like, Carmella, like, can you act like a champion and please sit down? And Carmella responded to that by more posing and taunting. It was so good. She was just acting like a complete knob. And Charlotte just was not responding to it. She was as cool as vanilla rice. She just was not reacting to this whatsoever. Yeah, and then she she calmly signs the contract and goes, woo, <laughs> into Carmella's face. And Carmella likes, gets into her face. And Charlotte awesomely grabs Carmella's head and rams it into the quite hard-looking table. I, say, I think it was marble on that yeah. table. Yeah, <laughs> and it was really, really good. And as we're talking about it now, I think I've realised why. Because Charlotte didn't say any rubbish scripted promo from WWE. She was not talking about magic and fairies yeah. and whatnot. She just she came down and she smashed her face into a table. Perfect. Lovely stuff. Yeah, and she looks so stately. I yeah. thought Charlotte carried herself very well here. And it was funny as well because when she like <clears throat> smashed her head into a table, she almost like composed herself to be like, oh, sorry, whoops. Yeah. That was a bit out of character for me. I'm just going to walk to the back now. And like, I wasn't really into Carmella versus Charlotte, but now I am. Like, I was into Carmella as champion. Of course, I like Charlotte, but I didn't really care about their match or feud together. Mm-hmm. But now I'm into it. This was this was good. Yeah. Uh, then there was a Nakamura interview backstage, but Aiden English said no interview. Interviews. With- this is why we think it was Dasher. I think it was Dasher. Uh, then Shelton Benjamin took on Randy Orton. Benjamin was already in the ring, but then Jeff Hardy makes his entrance. Yeah, well, they actually showed Jeff walking backstage, being like, Jeff Hardy and Shelton Benjamin are going to have a rematch from last week. Oh, right, yeah, I thought that's what I heard. Yes, and then but- Jeff Hardy made his entrance, but it was a receipt from last week because uh, Shelton offered an open challenge, and Randy uh... came out, but it was interrupted by Jeff. This time... Jeff had the match and Randy Orton interrupted and he said, I'm, essentially said, I'm going to have the match next. But what I loved about this, Jeff Hardy's doing his big entrance with his, his hands, doing the, the, the cut angle limp wristing and um, limp wristed. Limp wristed. Like, that's yeah, my, yeah, that's, yeah, I love that band. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and Randy just sort of like walks past me. He doesn't look at Jeff, but stops next to him just long enough to be like, yeah, I've done this. Well, without, he was... Without he, even looking at him. He was looking directly at him in terms of monitors backstage yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their, their peripheral oh, vision is so good so in WWE good. it's like a freaking lizard it's like a big IMAX yeah it was, but this was really cool and then uh, Shelton Benjamin and Randy Orton had a match Todd Phillips um, at one point actually which I thought was a really nice touch mentioned that they both graduated from the OVW class of 2002 oh Shelton yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah Cool. So that was a really nice touch, but was, and I was like, "Man, that was 16 years ago. Mm. That's that's an awful long time ago." Um, but this was a, I thought it was a fun little match. Yeah, fun it was little a t- fun little TV outing. Solid. It was yeah, solid. solid. Uh, Jeff was on commentary for the match, uh, or at least he was sitting at ringside. But he was attached, attacked. 
by a masked luchador. Instantly, I was like, oh my god, Almas is here. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I thought as well. He had the sim- similar height, but not the build. Uh, and the, the similar luchador. Similar height, we talked about Daniel Singh's like four foot nothing. Similar height. Uh, <laughs> he, he tried to run away, uh, but he ended up in the ring, this luchador. And Randy pulls off the mask. It is Sunil Singh. I yeah. really like that. That was great. Because Jinder's such a dickhead <laughs> that he sent Singh to do his dirty work over on the other brand. But it's great as well because Jeff was selling the leg injury from last week in mm. the match he had with Sean Benjamin while making his entrance um, yeah. before this match. And Sunil's given him the chop block to that same leg, telling a story that Jeff is now going into this match against Jinder Mahal at Greatest Royal Rumble with a leg injury. It was a really nice way to build up multiple feuds across two brands and the Greatest Royal Rumble and Backlash. Made even better... Shelton Benjamin won the match. He pinned Randy Orton. Mm. So now that kind of inserts him into this United States Championship picture. And that, 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 that's a win that elevates yes. Shelton. It doesn't devalue Randy. It elevates Shelton. Uh, because Randy took out Sunil Singh, um, but not on an announcer's desk. No, well, he saved that for um, Shelton Benjamin, didn't he? Yeah. Gave him the backdrop instead. Uh, then we had New Day and The Bar coming face to face for the first time on SmackDown. Apparently New Day have a book out. Do they? Well, is that's that what, what they were talking. That's what they were promoting. Right. Yeah, although, kind of switch off sometimes. Although apparently, I looked on Amazon. It's been out since November last year. Which I'm. It's still out. Maybe, maybe I've not been paying attention, but I think they kept that quiet. You would think they would come down to the ring, chucking books into the crowd. <laughs> hard covers. One for your eye. <laughs> one for your abdomen. Putting them inside the bootyos boxes, then just pouring them yeah, onto yeah. kids ah. rings and ow, ow, ow. Being hit by all these books. But yeah, they were, you know, just doing their nonsense backstage and they had pancakes and cups of bootyos or glasses of bootyos instead of wine. Mm-hmm. And then the bar walked in. And this is where I was like, huh? Because what the bar said was that if when when we win at Greatest Royal Rumble and win the Raw Tag Team Titles, we're going back to Raw? Huh. And I was like, oh, is that the rule now? No one knows. No, they not. make it up. I mean, I know, I, and I said this in the SmackDown review, so apologies if you've watched that and then watched this and are just hearing me repeat myself. I know this is a, a very expensive house show that we're not meant to care about, but I really do wish the kind of rules between these cross-brand matches had been made clearer so that we could, I don't know, care about the results. Mm. Get invested in the build. Yeah, get invested, man, maybe. Yeah. So next up was AJ Styles and the club back together in the locker room. Yep. That was nice to see. Bit of sound uh, issues, but it was nice to see uh, the club back together because I really liked the club when they were the the three-man unit. I, weirdly, like in my head, I've always been like Finn Balor and Galanderson. That's where the money is. But seeing these three back together, I'm like, what am I talking about? These three were so good together. Yeah, it's because AJ isn't made to smile like a Mm. goofball all the time. Maybe it's like maybe it's because AJ is perfectly fine by himself, but Finn is just floundering by himself. I think. Uh, Daniel Bryan was next. He comes out of the trainer's room because he was being treated from being beaten down earlier on in the show. And he, he cuts a really good babyface promo about how he was attacked attacked by a seven-foot coward from behind. And he now has a match against Big Cass at Backlash. And everyone is the same height when they're tapping out on the mat. Nice stuff. We also, really good. Uh, we also got a video package for Sanity, who are also coming soon. Um, so this confirmed, back to the Daniel Bryan thing, that Cass was the one who attacked him. Yes. Yeah, he did. It, and, and, and but he said he was attacked from behind. 
Oh, interesting. Well, I just like, you know, usually... I wouldn't be surprised if Cass came out next week and said, hey, I don't like you, Brian, but I didn't attack you. Mate, I, that'd be great. Yeah, I, and I then mean, you're like, ooh, more intrigue. Mm. That's maybe a spot for Almas. Perhaps. Maybe Perhaps, sets up Samoa yeah. Joe's first oh, post-Reigns yeah. feud. So uh, hopefully they go that way. But, you know, it's fine if they don't. Yeah. Then we got that Samoa Joe promo. He was hyping Greatest Royal Rumble and his Backlash match. And he was looking directly into the camera no words on screen either because the words on screen got drafted to raw yeah and can you imagine samoa joe with words on screen it's not right uh, he sounded huskier than normal sexier yeah sexier and then we had the main events which we've we've already kind of covered yeah which was really good i really yeah. enjoyed it i thought it was a, a very very good episode of, of smackdown live i thoroughly enjoyed it and it was um you know a pretty lackluster raw it's been three i know you've got the the post wrestlemania call up some surprise returns of Lashley and fun like that and then you've got the intrigue of what happens with the superstar shakeup the following week but really there was like there's, it's pretty superficial stuff on Raw and the first week that Raw didn't have those gimmicks it sucked I thought it was pretty lousy Raw this week Smackdown has been Smackdown I guess like 5 out of 5 Raw after Mania 4 out of 5 last week 4 out of 5 again here really really solid programming it's been really I, as I said in the review Raw feels like it's been on pause up until Greatest Royal Rumble and Backlash and that's, it just feels like the Raw team was like oh, let's just do these and then we'll start doing stuff Like, but Smackdown is like no we're just going to do all our storylines but weave them in and out of these two these two pay-per-views that we've just got these two hills that we have to get past first but we're going to set up all of these feuds juggle all these balls and spin all these plates and I think they're doing a really good job of it well Smackdown has effectively been on pause since last August since the, since the Superstar shake-up last year I would almost yeah, argue yeah yeah so but can they only press play on one brand at a time? Yeah, maybe. I hope not. Because it's just, it's just, it's just baffling to me how you can create such good programming on one brand and not do it on the other. It, and it, if this is the case, if it is going to feel like Raw is they just haven't got anything this year and they become what SmackDown was last year, where it's just like it's the same people doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm going to feel really sorry for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Yeah. Because they were on Raw during that period last time while SmackDown was great. <sighs> then they jumped over to SmackDown when it was stuck in that rut and Raw was actually really, really good. Mm. Now they've gone back to Raw, which appears to be stuck in a rut, while SmackDown's really great. Poor Lance just cannot catch a break. Whereas The no. Miz has had the best of luck. Yeah. Because he's jumped back and forth when it's always good. Maybe it's The Miz. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that's what kids say. So, uh, again, we've done that thing. Well, for us, the intro and outro are right next to each other. But for everyone listening, there was a whole hunk of SmackDown review in the middle. There was like 40 minutes worth of us talking about Shinsuke Nakamura and Phenomenal Ball Arms. But for us, it was two seconds ago. Yeah, so of course we, we left you with the words, In a Bizzle. And now Luke is is taking issue with my bizzles. I'm not sure I'm taking issue with your bizzles. It it just took it caught me by surprise. I say it all the time, man. I don't <laughs> I don't know why you're so pouncing on it all of a sudden. So yes, we saw Avengers: Infinity War last night in Leicester Square in London. In the Cine World in Leicester Square, yes. we had a bit of a. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should just talk a little bit about the experience of going because. 
Thanos demands your silence mm. is like sort of the marketing gimmick that they're going with this Hashtag film. Hashtag Thanos, Thanos demands, your, demands silence. your silence. It even has like a little image that props up when you use it. Demands. 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 Uh, sorry. Demon. Demands. Demands yes. your silence. Does it Does it have a little Thanos? Yeah. Little purple guy. Little purple guy comes up when you type in uh. Thanos demands your silence. Um, and so we uh, we had our tickets and we got there. The doors opened at six. You and I arrived at about 10 to six, maybe. Casually. It was bang on six. More or less bang on six. The doors hadn't quite opened yet, but also we hadn't posted up the Wrestle Ramble. So... <laughs> Um, I quickly booted up my laptop um, in the queue in the queue in the middle of Leicester Square yep and um, got out my phone tethered it to the 4G and we posted the Wrestle Ramble there and then well uh, you posted it I valiantly went off and got me food yeah you had and a, left you in the queue you doing had a this. bit of a worry that you weren't going to be able to eat anything ah uh, yeah I just didn't want to because it was a long movie two and, and a half we, hours two and a half hours we were going to be waiting in the cinema for at least an hour and a quarter for it to start yes because although the doors opened at six the film didn't start until seven yeah so I'm not I'm not doing that without a full tum tum so ran to Pret got me a ham and cheese sandwich a flapjack happy days happy days so we uh, we got into the cinema we actually managed to like because it's it's in the cine world uh, in Leicester Square if you've not been there before it's separated into two screens screen number one is the IMAX screen that's the one where a lot of people tend to go to uh, to the cinema when they go to the, the cine world in Leicester Square because it's the giant IMAX but upstairs is the impact screen which is slightly smaller but it is still very grand and very impressive and uh, they Don Callis does commentary up there. <laughs> he does, yeah. He, him and um, Scott Damore um, mm. are basically behind the scenes making yeah. sure everything is... Like, they're the ones who make sure that the films go on time. Scott Steiner will randomly walk out in front of the crowd. Yep. Dressed as Thanos. He'd be a good Thanos. <laughs> he would be a good Thanos. And just, ha! Just doing that yeah. a lot. Um, and uh, we, we got... There's, there's kind of two tiers to it. So I knew it. I know it quite well. That screen because that's where they hold fright fest, and I, that's where they put the. You, you are obsessing over the screen. I mean, like when you said, "Let's talk about our overall experience." I didn't think you were going to go in depth, well, play no, by no. play, minute by minute. I think people want to hear about the movie. We're, minute, we're three minutes in, not minute by minute. I was just thinking, like, because we found some seats that were downstairs, right? But then we like we were quite close to the front. It wouldn't have been a comfortable viewing. No, you, we, we leant back and we're like, well, these do lean back a bit, but... And I was like, do you know what? There's the balcony. You go check the balcony. I'll hold these seats in case we need them. And then I got a text message from you, and you had found, oh, perfect seats. There's three rows up on the balcony, middle balcony, bang in the middle. Oh, mate, what seats you found? Reconnaissance. That's it- my skill set. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, so the actual movie. Should we actually talk about the movie? Well, now? well, I guess all of that is make sure you get a seat that it is that's in a comfortable place because it is two and a half hours long. You don't want to get a cricked neck by the end of it. It is a long old film. Uh, safety wheeze are very oh, yes. much, very much advised. Um, and yeah, so this is going to be very very spoiler free because Disney sent us emails uh, on the day of the screening saying like hey when you're doing your reviews no spoilers whatsoever uh, a lot of sites Flickr Myth the site that uh, you and I used to help run and uh, still sometimes write for we used to post up like hey here's what the, the post credits of these films are they were asking like don't talk about post credits don't talk about anything like even if, if there is a post credits don't talk about anything like that just 
talk about the film and your feelings on the film and what you think about the film don't go into any plot specifics but you know there are certain websites that can ignore that and somehow still get away with it i think because Ooh, Luke's throwing some shade well, here. Because the Hollywood Reporters re- uh, review, the Hollywood Reporters review, the opening of it, I would say is the maybe the third to last line of the movie. Like that's their opening. Wow. That's their opening gambit. The the oh my god, it's Batman. <laughs> that line. <laughs> yeah. That was a shocker. That was a shocker. So yeah, like they open with that line, and Forbes posted up an article that was not even a review. It was literally just. You're doing it again, Luke. Why can't we talk about the film? You're talking about everything else apart from the film. You've gone too much the other way. But I wanted to just specify that we're not going to be those people. Okay, okay. It's it's called a disclaimer, Ollie Davis. But it's a freaking seven-minute-long disclaimer (laughs) at the moment. I want to talk about the movie. I'm going a bit insane here because... We we've just been able to talk to each other. I I don't want to be in this state. I want to talk to everyone about oh, it. I'm in the same boat. Like I I I mean I'm don't want to go off topic again. But when oh I oh my to- god, <laughs> don't go off topic again. But when I went to the Avengers press screen, oh, back it's in not even the right film now. <laughs> what a same same franchise. When I saw Avengers in 2012, that was two weeks before the film came out. I had two weeks where I what I couldn't talk to anyone about it. I didn't know anyone who was at the screening. I was going out of my mind. I'm just so glad it's only a few days. Not only that, but I went with you. So at least you and I could talk about it. And you and I spoke about it quite a bit this morning. We were texting each other about it last night. I I haven't stopped thinking about this film. So here's my review of the film. It's a freak, Finally. It's a freaking masterpiece. Like, it, it really is an absolute masterpiece of cinema. There, and here, here is the short and curly of my thoughts. There has never been a film like Avengers Infinity War before. There will never be another film like it. Oh, I disagree on the second part. I think that's. I think there'll be many films like it trying to capitalise off the back of it, not but, with the same amount of gravitas of a, a but decade that, but of stuff I mean. going into it. That's what I mean. There will be attempts, but there will never be a film like this. You just wait till that GI Joe universe gets <laughs> off the ground, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I agree. I, uh, I, we spoke about it, and we both said, you know. Once we regained our breath, yes. After the entire credits, we watched every single name go past. What's that like? Ten minutes, and Easy then upwards, and then the little bit at the end. Yes, stay around until the end because there is, as usual, a post-credit sequence, an end credits, the endest of end credits, mm-hmm. and uh, we were silent for a few more minutes, and we just went, "That's a masterpiece." And I spoke to my lady partner on the phone afterwards, and I said, "You said frickin'. Said, I said a stronger version oh, of, that, well, of an F word. I'll be honest. I I self censored myself. Yeah, um, but it is an absolute. It's a five star movie. It's it's incredible. Like the Russo brothers have done an amazing job of balancing so many characters. There are there is an untold amount of characters within this movie. Yet it never feels like the Russo brothers struggle to keep all of those characters and keep all of those plates spinning every single one of those plates because it's not just there's loads of characters there's loads of plot threads as well and the Russo brothers never feel like one of those plates never feels like it bobs they always feel like they're just spinning absolutely perfectly in place and it just makes for an absolutely captivating cinematic experience because just when you think you know where the film is going it just like it zigs and it zaps in in other directions and then before you know it you're like I, I don't know where we're going I don't know what's happening next it, it, I was left in stunned silence at the end of the film. One of the greatest parts of the first Star Wars movie that loads of people applauded it for was the ability to cross-cut 
between or, or Return of the Jedi, I think it was, cross cut between multiple action sequences during during the final third, and that you know it builds tension. You cut from this thing happening over there to this thing happening over here. It's all working towards the same mission end goal, and that's that's like the seventies eighties version of what's happening here because now you've got. All of this context and 18 films, 10 years of Marvel movies behind Infinity War. And what you get is more akin to Game of Thrones. The way Game of Thrones can go across its very expansive, complicated, detailed universe that it's set up. And show you a scene of these people over there. A scene of these people on another, in another realm. And they'll be talking to, to each other. And you know what everyone's motivations are, who the characters are, what's going on, where people are, what the time is. And they do that, that level of complexity that I thought was only reserved for TV shows where you can tell an hour installments weekly. They've done it in a movie for two and a half hours. It's incredible. It is. So I, I was thinking about it today. Avengers, the first one, is an Avengers movie. Avengers Age of Ultron is an Avengers movie. Captain America Civil War, let's be honest, is an Avengers movie. Infinity War, just because it adds in the Guardians of the Galaxy side of things and the magical universe with Doctor Strange, because everyone's in it, uh, it's an event. It's a comic book event movie. That's the f- like Avengers felt like that was a team up, you know, because you get comics, you get the monthlies, and then you get these team up issues, and then you get the big crisis events. You've got Crisis on Infinity, uh, cr- Infinite Crisis in in uh, DC, and then you've got like Secret Wars and stuff like that in Marvel comics, and or Civil War in Marvel comics, and you you don't really get any like solo character stuff. It, the thrills come from all these characters being together. In, in one big setting doing huge blockbuster action pieces. And that's what this is. It's an event comic book series in a movie. It is... It, it's a, it's historic. Yeah, and I, I, when, while watching it, within like the first sort of, you know, five, ten minutes of the film, I suddenly thought to myself, I was like, this does feel like reading an event comic. Like when you get those event comics and you have... You, you read through your first couple of pages and then you jump over to something else and you're like, oh, these, these paths are meeting and they will meet and they will go over here and they will do this it's it's an absolute master stroke of, and like the the challenge of making this film is enormous like it's it's like unparalleled really with the amount that they've had to do and the amount they've had to balance and all these in different storylines that we've all been leading to this point and there was every chance that they could have buggered this up it was every chance they could have dropped some of the balls. There was every chance that one of those plates might have fallen. And it doesn't. And they just, they nail it. They, they, they not only nail it, because it's a huge risk. So, like, it seems like a sure bet because you've got all the ten years of movies leading up to it. But really, this is a huge, huge risk still. And the, not only have they pulled it off and, and gone for this, they've swung, they've swung for the moon. Mm-hmm. And they, they've hit the moon, which is like, that's a feat in itself. But then they have turned the moon into Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. Then they have pulled the moon down on top of someone. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like, that, that not only have they been brave to accomplish this movie, the, the tone and story and direction of the MCU through this film and at the end of this film is just astoundingly brave. 
And I, w- I mean, there were multiple times where I yelled at the screen. You and did, I, yeah. And I don't often yell during movies. I'm often a, a very quiet, unless I'm laughing or if I, you know, the film makes me jump. But I'm usually quite a quiet film watcher. It's not like when you and I went to go and see Creed and you were essentially boxing along hey, with Creed. Hey, I have Creed. a few glasses of vino. <laughs> you see me in a Fast and Furious movie. I, I think, hug people next to me. Exactly. But like I, but I, I couldn't help myself. I, I swore audibly several times throughout mm. the film. I gasped a lot and I cheered at it even more. I was having an absolute whale of a time. The film is also very funny. Mm. And... I have criticised the MCU a lot over the years for, I, I blame Joss Whedon for this, for their having to end scenes with a punchline. Even if it's a really dramatic scene, you have to end it with a punchline. And there are times in this film where there is perhaps an unnecessary punchline. However, when this film needs to have its dramatic moments and it needs those character beats that are important to the story and the universe and everything else within the film, they don't steer towards comedy. They play it completely straight, and those are the best scenes in the film. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite something. The, the, the gasps you were making, there was one point, and it's particularly cool. I think everyone will know what it is when they do finally watch it. Luke just went, Oh, yeah! Like Macho Man was sitting next to me. I couldn't help myself, man. It just, it just, it erupted out of me, and I, it and added to the the moment. I and, think. And do you know what? We haven't even talked about what is perhaps the best thing about the film, which is Josh Brolin. Yes, Thanos is such a cool villain. Was such. A, so we were talking in the SmackDown review about how good Baron Corbin's motivation is. Not Baron Corbin. Sorry. Big yes. <laughs> Didn't even, didn't even try to make that mistake. That was a genuine Freudian entry. <laughs> uh, uh, how good uh, Baron Cass is. <laughs> Baron Cassian. Baron Cass. His, uh, it sounds like a Hydra member now. <laughs> Baron, Baron Cass's promo and motivation for his feud with Daniel Bryan is, man, Thanos... That is nothing compared to Thanos's motivation and character arc throughout oh, the movie. Oh, so it's wonderful. It is okay. Way back when, when you and I used to do our old movie podcast, I remember once pitching to you how, like, what I my hope is for Avengers: Infinity War. I think it was actually, I think it was just Avengers three at that point. I don't think they actually announced that it was called Infinity War. And I said to you, what I really hope it is is a Thanos solo movie, and. In some ways, this does feel like it's 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 Thanos's movie. Yes, and like it's it's yeah, it's not a Thanos solo movie, but it's like he is he is arguably the main character. There's an argument to be made, and yes, and Josh Brolin's performance is just stunning. It's absolutely incredible. Made even more impressive when you know the behind the scenes thing that because of the scheduling. Um, issues he had between this and Deadpool 2 and all of the Deadpool 2 reshoots that also happened he was very rarely on set with everyone else during Infinity War he did the majority of this on his own and when when you consider that he was acting against nothing he's an, he's a marvel yeah like no not no pun intended he is a marvel it's great it's why michael kane's best performance is uh, Christmas Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> he's, he's acting against Muppets. Yeah, there's no one there. It's, oh, it's, it's he's awesome. Downey Jr. is really great. Tom Holland is really great. Chris Evans is really great. 
I, there, there are some characters you can argue that don't really get a lot to do. I tell you what, the one, the one thing that stood out to me as a criticism, as great as everyone is across the board, Wanda's accent. Oh well, she does dip in, dip she, in and out. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was. I mean, I don't want to say less obvious in this movie, because that's the problem. That yeah, her. Her accent but, was kind of dropped okay. at parts because in Age of Ultron, you're t- you, uh, Ollie is talking about um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, who I'm, I'm almost certain Scarlet Witch. Yeah, I'm almost certain. I don't have definitive proof on this, but I'm almost certain she's an actual angel. Right. I, I don't have I right. don't have definitive proof, but I'm I'm pretty sure she's an actual angel. Or, uh, she either that or she was molded from clay, you know, to just be just the most perfectly beautiful person I've ever seen. It's the kind of woman Luke goes for. <laughs> Whereas I'm more of a Dana Brooke guy. <laughs> but she, in Age of Ultron, she's pretty much, I am the Scarlet Witch, and here is my brother the Quicksilver, and we do not like the Tony Stark. And she's very much like... But then I remember watching Captain America Civil War, and right at the start of that, I'm, as soon as she spoke, I was like, oh, it looks like the Russo brothers just took it to one side. I was like, don't do the accent. Yeah. yeah you, can't, you can't keep it up. Just don't do it. Maybe they were just trying to phase it out. It, yeah, that's what it is. It was a slowly phasing out because every now and again she'd kind of slip into it. It was like, no, 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 just on this take, just do a normal accent. Maybe it's an incredibly nuanced journey of her <laughs> because, you know, Civil War was two years ago. They keep referencing those events as being two years ago to Infinity War. Mm-hmm. When it came out last year, didn't it? No, two years ago. Wow, was it two years ago? Yeah. Uh, the, so, the, the Marvel timeline is more... The only one that really doesn't make sense is um, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. Because that's, this, that starts uh, with the end of the war on uh, for the Battle of New York uh, in the Avengers. And then it pops up. The title card then says eight years later, which would suggest it takes place in 2020. But uh, Kevin Feige has said in, in interviews that was a mistake. It wasn't meant to say eight years. It was meant to say five years later. Because it's meant to take. It's meant to take. Nice place. one, Sony. Yeah, I know. But it was. It was meant to take place in the year it came out. It was meant yeah. to take place in so, in 2017. Uh, yeah. So the, the and so which would mean Ultron when Scarlet Witch first came into this was four years ago. Yes. So you know, four years living in America, still kind of kayfabe a teenager. <laughs> Realistically, a 35-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. Still an angel. Still an angel. Realistically, always an angel. Anyway, it's very good. Yeah. So I'm going to see it as fast as humanly possible oh, again. I, I have to I, see it I'm, again. I'm watching it tomorrow evening. I want to see it again. I want to see it multiple, multiple, multiple times. You and I uh, discussed yesterday that you uh, that we were we were seeing history. Like this, yes. uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't matter to everyone. I, I I get that, and I get that there are DC fans who just want to say it's rubbish for the sake of saying it's rubbish because they want to believe that Batman v Superman was a good film. Because people like tribes. Because people like tribes. They like you know attaching themselves to certain things. But I also get that there are people that just like nah, it's not for me, and I don't get it, and that's fine. The this is very important to me. As a, as a comic book reader my whole life, these were the sort of films that I could only dream would ever happen. And I'm, I'm very... I, I just... Every time it comes up and like, these happen, I'm like, I can't believe I get to live through this. And I get to go to the cinema and, and live through this in this moment. And then you and I yesterday were talking on the tube there. I, I've said to you in the past that like when I bring a child into this world, I get to kind of like relive it all again through them. It's our Star Wars. It's the film that I'll be able to show to my kids and be like, hey, look at this amazing 20 movie series. Let's sit down and watch it all together over a long weekend. We'll just watch them all back to back and it'll be wonderful. Your mum, she can pop in and out because she doesn't like some of them. Yes. Oh, yeah, well, I, I couldn't put it better myself. It is, 
It's incredible. It's an actual historic moment, as opposed to Michael Cole's many yeah. weekly historic <laughs> moments. But that is all we've got time for today. We will be back on Saturday with our news mailbag crap gimmicks fun, and on Sunday for some fantasy booking warfare. So if you thought we're going to do an episode on the Greatest Royal Rumble... We're not. Luke's away. I'm, I'm, I might try and record something Friday night. Yeah. Depending on how much CrossFit kicks my ass. <laughs> Why is it always Daniel Bryan comes out of retirement while I'm at CrossFit? Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully we get all the best title changes ever. Well, may, well maybe. Well, with some of them we know we're guaranteed to get new champions at the yeah, very least, yeah. at least one match. But, um, yeah, we'll see you on Saturday uh, and on Sunday. And until then, I love you. Goodbye. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.